Is there any book that science has to be boring? Who wrote those rules? I think we are in this century of communication and video stream and, and social media and so on. I think the society misses the scientists. There's there's a, a, a communication gap between what experts know and what society can profit from all this research and all this body of, of information that is like inside the same walls. As a scientist, to be able to communicate with, with the public and to make understandable what you do. So when someone asks, so what are you studying? What do you do? You should have a pitch, like a 30-second speech that explains like for as a kid of eight years you know what are you doing and why is it important what you are doing what are the benefits of whatever it is for the society and you know just a few details welcome to this new episode of papa phd today i have the great pleasure of having with me from brussels belgium Inesh mora Inesh is an executive vocal coach with over 10 years of experience in helping leaders, business owners, experts, and academics take their voices to the next level. She believes that everyone has a voice that deserves to be heard, and uh, we are going to be learning about how voice can help us today with Inish. Welcome to Papa PhD Inish. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here and excited to have this conversation with you. Me too, me too. Super, super excited. Uh, I, I learned about you through a a former guest uh, and, and friend of the show, uh, Inês, um, now she changed her name, Bartilotti. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm really, really happy to have you here today because uh, when I saw uh, what, what you do, when I saw how you help people, it really struck me that you're kind of uh, um, helping them use a tool that they've had for all their life. <laughs> exactly. But, but that not all of them and not all of us are putting to use uh, uh, in the best way possible, specifically in your in in the uh, the approach that you have uh, when we're talking about public speaking and leadership uh, and, and this type of more professional setting. Um, but before we start talking about that, can you share uh, with the listeners and with the viewers a little bit more about who Inej Moda is, what drives her, and and what you know what brought you from from your studies, from what, uh, from whatever training you got, to becoming a vocal coach, uh, an executive vocal coach. Well, it's a it was a long journey, but I will try to make it short. So, um, in short, I uh, I studied speech and language therapy, which means that I have a, a mix between health and uh, science background, because it's a it's a health uh, profession. But um, I, in this field, the link in speech and language therapy, we often associate it with uh, helping children to speak better or with stuttering and so on. But there's one of these areas, which is the voice, the voice use, and in specific, the professional voice use. And in that, we have, we split in two parts, the artistic voice, you know, the singers and actors, and then the spoken voice, which is for politicians, leaders, experts, like Every one of us, basically, mm -hmm. we all use this, the, the the speaking voice, and as you said, we we born with this. Like it's it was an instrument. It evolved with uh, with us uh, in our teenage years. We we noticed that something switched there, and it's kind of a bit strange. But then when we we are adults, we only uh, think about the voice when we don't have it. For example, you know, after a football match or a wedding that went a bit crazy on the party <laughs> side, and then we don't have the voice. The thing is, uh, when we have important moments, such as the first job interview, or when we have our first uh, job, and then we have to do meetings and presentations, and the stakes are high, sometimes our voice uh, doesn't convey um, our uh, confidence. We can be confident in our subject, but the way we express ourselves doesn't convey the same thing. So it's kind of, it gives a mixed message to the audience. And so what I really love to do as a vocal coach, and I work, as you said, with leaders, entrepreneurs, and also with experts in 
many different fields, like from you know lawyers to, to to doctors to engineers and people in finance and so on, is when you have a really good um, subject and you have a good idea, but you for some reason the way you use your voice it's not conveying the message of confidence, clarity, and credibility. And this is where I I bridge the gap between you being an expert and the image that the audience gets from you, and also uh, if they get the message or not. So it, mm -hmm. this is where the voice enters. And this is where I help my clients. And as you said, also from people in academia, because you need to, you know, you have to interact with your supervisors, with colleagues, sometimes even investors, if you are more advanced in the process and you are kind of starting, a, you know, your own startup after studying or whatever mm -hmm. you studied. So, um, yeah, we all need to communicate our, our ideas in whatever context. Mm -hmm. It, this is really interesting for if, because I uh, I have been you know throughout my life uh, uh, I, I consider myself an introvert I have been more shy think you know in the past and have now now I'm you know doing a podcast a weekly podcast with people and and so this the experience of the podcast has I think changed my relationship to my voice but um, one of the one of the things that thinking back. You know from before this the podcast era <laughs> for me uh i do remember moments where my emotions uh, uh maybe uh, imposter syndrome um just uh, and even you know changing schools in that first day having my voice not help me you know engaging with the people that i was engaging at, at different uh, moments uh, especially if i was uh, stressed or or anxious and where i'm getting with this is because it's an instrument we've had forever we might think that well this is this is how it is and you know there's not much i can do about it but it feels from what you say that you can tune the instrument is that is that what you're saying like every instrument, no. <laughs> the, the the funny thing about voice is that the instrument is is you, is yourself. Like when you play piano, you have the piano. When you have a guitar, then it's outside of you. And the the the, the idea of fine tuning it is easier than with yourself. <laughs> but the voice is the product of two things: emotions and your physiology. And if something happens with your emotions, it's suddenly if you feel fear something or if you are stressed or anxious or something that will immediately affect the voice. So it's like the first thing that you notice, like if, imagine that you have a friend and that friend that day, you know, uh, had a really bad day or something happens. And then you can notice like in the first two seconds when you hear his voice that something happened because the emotion is different or they mm -hmm. fear they feel sad or so the voice and the emotions are completely uh, directly connected and so it's the 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 soul you know of of the voice are, are the emotions and so of course you can work on the way you deal with those stressful moments and so managing your emotions and managing your anxiety will help you to have a more confident uh, firm assertive voice in those moments for example, uh, you know, the first day doing something at your job or the f when you're going to meet your boss or when you are entering in a new school mm -hmm. or whatever. So that's one thing. And the other is the physiology. And physiology, I, what I mean by this is that you have a certain pattern because you learned to speak by trial, trial and error. So you kind of imitate your parents, probably your teachers, your, your brothers or sisters, and then you kind of, and also you have a genetic. So we normally speak like our parents sometimes, somehow, or uh, because you have a similar body internally and externally. And mm -hmm. so that creates a, a certain shape of how your cavities, uh, lungs, you know, your height, sinuses, etc. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we have these um, issues that are genetic, and also mm -hmm. the shape of our body will shape our voice. That we cannot change, but what we can change are the the patterns that our brain uh, developed when we were speaking. So, for example, if you were taught when you were a kid that you should not interfere with adults' conversation, or you should not um, okay, you should be quiet because don't bother or don't uh, you know uh, just stay there in your corner and don't say mm -hmm. anything. That is a habit that you developed, and then one day when you are an adult and you need to speak, uh, you know, strongly and confident and so on, you don't have that skill well trained. Mm -hmm. So certain habits of or speaking 
too fast because you have your siblings trying to compete with you or because so we can we develop our voice through habits and habits can be changed and also your physiology can be adjusted so for some reason you can start speaking with a high pitch but you it's it's not even where it's natural for you to speak just because you develop that habit then you can speak like this, but this is not normal. You, you, you know, maybe it's not the best way, the best voice for you. Voice for you. Mm -hmm. And then what we have to do is to undo some patterns and bring the voice to uh, its natural uh, way. So mm -hmm. just to finish, there are these two things: natural voice and habitual voice. Habitual voice is what we think we have by this is what I have, so I cannot change. But it's only because of your habits, like speaking too soft, too strong too high pitch, too deep, too this or that, mm -hmm. or monotone. It's it's a learned thing. And then we have our natural voice, which is flexible, pleasant, you know, um, as this, all this, this, this flexibility and emotion that we can all have, but we only use this little spectrum of the voice and not mm -hmm. everything that we can. And uh, this is super, super interesting. And uh, now my question to you is, uh, the people so but clearly some of what you're saying is based on your studies of and what, what you were trained to do uh, as a as a speech ther speech therapist i think that was that's what you said but some of it must have to do also uh, with the experience you've had the you know accompanying people and coaching people with using their voices and i i wonder how common it is that people who we might consider super uh, you know, um, how can I say? Uh, I, I, I need to find the right term, but uh, that you might expect to be super good at public speaking. How frequent is it that they actually come to you needing coaching because there's there's some uh, some aspect of it that they feel is not optimal? Um, how frequent is it that people, even in positions of responsibility and of uh, of leadership, um, actually come to you to help them deal with some vocal issue or with with maybe not feeling that the the vo their voice is helping them reach the goals that they have yeah so that's exactly the target group that i uh, my 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 clients are already very good uh, what in what they do normally or they are brilliant uh, you know experts on on certain things or, or even um if you are a ceo you're already kind of in the maximum of you know your your maybe your career but there are always and the next level in communication there's always something that can make you feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. uh, for example if you are you know very used to do one-on-ones but then if you have to speak with a larger group then it kind of makes you uncomfortable or then if that large larger group it comes from it goes from one one hundred to one thousand, mm -hmm. or five thousand, or you know, speaking in uh, in web summit or a big 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 conference. Suddenly, you have to have different skills, or if you want to do a podcast, it's different from you know being good doing uh, you know a, a presentation or whatever, mm -hmm. or just going through your your slides. So, the co vocal coaching enters when you have a goal. A different mm -hmm. goal that challenge you. That's something that is not maybe, uh, or because you are preparing for your next uh, job, or you are moving from another um, function or for, from another position within mm -hmm. your company, or suddenly you are an expert and now you you need to 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 manage your your team and you have to speak with them differently and inspire them. So every time you have a, a thing in your life that will require a different communication, a more strategic way to communicate, then you might need a vocal coaching. Mm -hmm. So for example, I was before this interview, I was like uh, sneaking and going into my phone and I have um, uh, a HR director from a huge company, a global company, and she, she had this um, presentation yesterday in Boston for you know everyone in the company basically all the directors and all the, the people that report to her and she had I have to have this impact you know we mm -hmm. are in this transition phase we are need to be everyone on board on these uh, changes and everyone is a bit skeptical so I need to have this presentation to convey the right message and so we have one hour consultation you know mm -hmm. last last week 
and just be very specific so and strategic. So someone that can have done like thousands of presentations, suddenly you have one that can change your career mm -hmm. and that, that's important to have some support. Mm -hmm. uh, but also for things that are less, uh, you know, complicated or less. Uh, <laughs> of course, th there's going to be specific important. things. In, yeah, well, important, I think it, it all depends on the on the, the context. But uh, I really, uh, it feels from what you're saying that a lot of what you do and a lot of the, the advice you give is specific to the person in front of you. But because, you know, this is a podcast and, I, you know, the, my audience are young researchers, be it in graduate school or just out of graduate school or people with a scientific background trying to break into uh, an industry, maybe we could, we could uh, I wonder whether we could, with you, uh, try to find an example, maybe uh, one or two pieces of advice for a situation that is, I guess, frequent in this population, which is, like I mentioned in the beginning, imposter syndrome, and that affecting how you present yourself and how you use your voice when talking with um, people who might want, who might be considering hiring you, be it for a postdoc, you know, for an interview in the academic uh, space, but also outside of the academic space, because I think that's something uh, that's something that the the Papa PhD audience. Are probably a lot of a lot of the people listening go through this this uh, kind of fear of putting yourself out there and and you know showing your work with confidence, uh, but making 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 it or doing it with a voice that does transmit that confidence. You said confidence that you had three three uh, clarity and credibility. <laughs> yeah, clarity and credibility, which which I think it was. We very can also add. Charisma, but charisma is a bit uh, further. It's probably, yeah, it's, probably it's, another, it's another, another level, although, although very, very interesting and important. But uh, just, I just want to add one other example, and we just, I think, we're finishing the season of them. There's these um, my thesis in three minutes or in uh, 180 seconds type events, also where students uh, have like three minutes to give a very nice. Uh, pitch and, and and very popularized uh, presentation of their research, and um, and I believe uh, that if if we if we can have some advice for for people who are preparing for this now, that'd be really cool because I'm sure a bunch of them are quite anxious about that new situation of being in front of so many people and yeah. having to kind of make an impact because it's also a competition. Of course. So there's a lot of, you know, a few things to say about uh, academia and then that part of be prepared for a pitch, like three minutes pitch, uh, because actually when it's shorter, your pitch, it's it's more in the, the, the degree of uh, difficulty increases. So because mm -hmm. you have to every word counts and the way you start the way you finish having your clear key message and, and so on. But I will go there in terms of academia. I work normally with, so I have some clients that are um, in their uh, doc, making their doctor degree or uh, doctor degree, sorry, the, the PhD, and sometimes more towards the end of it, so not mm -hmm. so in the beginning, because it's when you when you start to have meetings, when you have to start to interact with the teams or sometimes with other or with companies that start to sponsor and support what you are researching of. So mm -hmm. in this part where you start to go on business as well, so not only inside the uni, but also when you need to speak with other stakeholders, mm -hmm. I think is where, where I can start, where I can help. Of course, I can help, you know, previously in the process. Mm -hmm. But the thing is with academia, and I have these discussions with my clients, First is that you only you are re, you you only need to to have this certain level of um, uh, attention to your communication very late in the process normally. Mm -hmm. So we are not uh, all the, the the experts industry, and I'm of course gen being a bit generic, but we are used to boring presentations, which is sad. Like mm -hmm. the expectations are normally low because like it's yeah. very technical, you go into a lot of details and then um, it's it's interesting because like it's like people take more uh, attention to the substance than to the way it was delivered somehow. Mm -hmm. So this is what I see, at least in Europe, as the norm of being academic or even 
after if you go to scientific conventions and and mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, conferences you see that the the level of delivery is not in the charisma even it's like okay mm -hmm. was the message clear was the message interesting it's like the first level so going through this first level we start okay the content was uh, was uh, robust was nice was understandable now how, how can i do this in a way that it's engaging for uh, for the audience, and that mm -hmm. really transforms whatever they are thinking or their lives. Or, I mean, uh, uh, it's interesting. So I see that r working with uh, people in academia, we are like slowly changing a little bit what's in what's normal uh, mm -hmm. in this. And and I like my clients because they don't settle with the with the, what's what's normal. You know, what's expected from them. They want to go beyond, as the mm -hmm. name of this podcast, in that regard because they know that will help them in their careers, not only mm -hmm. when they are in this specific part of their lives. So it's a, an investment that they do. So they sometimes get nervous when they have to present, uh, you know, internally to their mm -hmm. supervisor or to the team, the committee, or, the yeah. committee and then uh, when they have to go to conferences and present papers and, uh, you know, and from sometimes you get exposed and you have this imposter syndrome, like, okay, I'm good enough. And I'm, is this interesting enough? Do, mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting. One, one thing that I see from academia and um, uh, corporate worlds is, do you like to receive questions at the end or not? Is it a good sign? Mm -hmm. Because I, I see that in academia, you, you are happy to receive questions at the end. Like you feel that you were more interesting uh, and you convey a message in a way that triggers curiosity but in corporate, normally they they like that anyone has questions, so we can move forward. And so, okay, it was clear. Okay, next let's point. Move next, <laughs> let's move on. So I find this so funny. You know, the the way yeah. you see what what was a successful communication in one field um, comparing to the other. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very interesting what you what you say. And we have some uh, we have someone here, Saba Aslani, saying uh, in Canada it's the same uh, in terms of and and I think it's. Academia in general tends to to give m more importance to the content than to the the format. But I have, you know, I have um, talked with people who have said, "Well, this was a great conference, but there's two there's two uh, talks that were memorable for me because somehow there was some storytelling in yeah. in them. The, the person had worked them differently. So I I do think that you know there's something there's some people starting to to consider that it's uh, that it's important to put a little work in in how you present, although of course in the end what's important is the data, and that it's sound and that it's a uh, novel, etc. But you can say the same thing. You can say the same thing with totally different uh, energy and tone of voice yeah. and whatever. I had a client. She she's a doctor and she was presenting at a conference. And um, she had, so we prepared, She's a, she was super nervous. She normally can't sleep the night before. She's extremely nervous. She has these blanks. And mm -hmm. she, she was on stage. So she really asked my, my support. And we, we went beyond, you know, only managing the nerves and the stress. Okay, let's, what's, what's your story? What do you want to present? And she was presenting uh, research that she has made in the, cl in the clinic about uh, quality of life of this kind of uh, patients and so on. Mm -hmm. And in the conference, she had uh, another person just presenting before her with the same topic, but with only like slides full of information, very analytical, only data, data, data without message. Mm -hmm. This is one thing that I, you know, it's it's uh, the tip. What is the message, you know, beyond your data? What is one thing that if the person just cannot remember anything. What is the one thing that they take away from what's new, what's different in this presentation? And so we designed their presentation to start with a story, you know, mm -hmm. and I remember that mm -hmm. she had even uh, a picture of a boat and she was telling a story about a patient and so on. And so on purpose, she didn't finish the story. And then at the end, she completed the story. So it was <laughs> a, it, it's another technique, like opening a curiosity loop and then you close the story. Of course, the story was from someone that suffers from that disease and what was the impact of the treatment and so on. But everyone was speaking about the story at the end, like in the, in the, in the coffee break, everyone was remembering the stories. <laughs> so even for us, that we are analytical people, like including a, a, a short, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm going to give a TEDx. No, it's not that. <laughs> Just a, like a one minute, one minute and a half 
episode or story of someone that you helped or uh, someone that was affected by your study or that's that's interesting because we mm. are humans and we like to hear you know these stories because they 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 stick with us. Mm -hmm. So trying to be okay, I'm going to be professional and therefore I will not tell a story because stories are for non-experts. Mm -hmm. That's a myth. <laughs> yeah, well, but that that is that is a challenge uh, in in academia, and you can get criticized by by embellishing too much. So there needs to be a very well just the right well amount measured, just the right amount of of yeah. working on the form but i do think it's important and i i see i see a lot of people the same way i see a lot of researchers and young researchers uh you know launching themselves into science communication and having either a youtube channel or a, a twitter or and, and and putting their their voice out there although it's not always spoken voice yeah. uh, i i think things are evolving and 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 uh, you know you see cooler and cooler presentations of, of yeah. uh, science researchers. Thank God we can be killed by a boring presentation. <laughs> yes, yeah, but, that, but that's my PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my PowerPoint. But who, who, who wrote in the past? Is there any book that science has to be boring? Who wrote those rules? I think we are in this century of communication and video stream and, and social media and so on. I think the society misses the scientists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a, a a communication gap between what experts know and what society can profit from all mm -hmm. this research and all this body of of information that is like in inside the same walls. And as a scientist, to be able to communicate with with the public and to make understandable what you do. So when mm -hmm. someone, so what are you studying? What do you do? You should have a pitch, like a thirty second speech that explains like for as a kid of eight years you know what are you doing and why is it important what you are doing what are the benefits of whatever it is for the society and you know just a few details but we don't need to go into that i think it's 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 happening i think even uh funding now requires some aspect of of popularization and of, of science communication when you get funding for a project. So I think th things are changing. But now, just coming back to the human experience of voice, because now we're, we're, we're kind of getting into the wider and wider uh, point of view of, of, of academia and research. But actually, I have a, I was going to ask something, and there's a question from the audience that kind of connects to that. Before I put the question on screen, I, I was going to bring the conversation to... So this is a human experience. It's a personal experience. Like you said, we're animals of habit. and the way we use our voice is is a is a habit. It's a habit we've developed throughout years. Uh, it's uh, some genetics. There's some you know nature, nurture. That there's different things that that bring us to where we are today in terms of using our voice. And if, in my experience, and uh, and uh, my, the way I see, I imagine things is that because it's a habit, it's kind of a, there's a, it's a default. If you are, let's say, let's say I'm going to. Uh, present this 180 seconds thesis thing and i didn't you know i didn't work with you so i'm i'm my voice is what i've the same i've used uh forever and then i get on stage and i get stressed and uh and anxious and my voice goes to the back of my mind i don't think about it anymore of course right? you shouldn't think at the moment no <laughs> well yeah but uh, but the thing is i imagine that to be um, to, sh to show confidence, uh, clarity, and credibility, you need to activate something in your voice. And if you're just dealing with your emotions of being stressed, you probably you know you you'll forget to do to do uh, these things. So I think I I have the feeling that you're going to say that there's new habits we need to develop. But I'm going to bring this question on screen because it has to do with this this thing that, that it's a very personal and, and physiological thing. Alberta is asking any tips on how can you how you can prevent yourself from becoming out of breath as you deliver your presentation, and why why I think these two connect is because, uh, and I'm sure you have advice on this. How do we go from the habitual use of our voice of our voice to the this very uh, intent use of our of our voice? So now I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to activate this this other level of usage of my of my voice, and not not catching your breath is is one uh, effect. 
one good example of, of how your body can be playing tricks on you. So everything starts before the, the moments where you, you are on stage. Um, so you don't activate nothing in your voice in that, mm. that part. You should train. It's like a backstage thing. So you practice okay. your speech already with the voice variations that you want to do. So you have to practice and train your brain and your ears to listen to it to a certain way to create that habit. And then delivering the speech, you cannot be worried about how you breathe, how is your voice. You have to just focus on the moment and, you know, on your message and in the audience in front of you, because that's why you use your voice is to convey that message. So you cannot be worried about technical aspects in that moment. I don't even, I disagree with all of, almost all of the experts in my industry when they say that you need to warm up your voice. Mm -hmm. I if you do a proper job, like a couple of months before of that moment, you don't need to warm up your voice anymore because you already know what to do with your voice because our brains are smart. And if you use your voice in, with a certain pattern, with a certain way that it's more comfortable, that you don't run out of air, uh, if you use the inflations in the right moments, words and so on, you, you understand that it's, that's a better pattern. Mm -hmm. And then that's why you have to go back and uh, start working on that thing a couple of even weeks. We don't need to go months before, like even a couple of, you know, uh, um, of weeks or months is enough to change mm -hmm. the voice. So basically, what is the process of changing from the default to a new pattern? So first, it's really important to, and what I do uh, with my clients is to record the voice before and after any exercise of an exercise or after a session. So you have your analysis of what you are doing right. So you can, for example, this speech, what you can do from now on, you record your voice and you also, because you have to, to know that you are uh, exactly on the, on the time that you need. So you don't go longer or shorter. So record your voice, listen to your voice and find things that you like. I like, I like the proportion of three to one, three things that I like. Like, okay, I think the volume is correct. I think I have some intonation and I think I, I'm conveying emotion. Okay, one thing that I don't like yet. Okay, maybe I can be, you know, more, um, I can make more pauses or I can make here a pause because I'm kind of running. So, okay, so then you record again and you just focus in one thing that you can improve. So you keep mm -hmm. the rest and one thing you keep improving and you keep recording. This is your do-it-yourself method. Uh, also, there's an app uh, uh, software that I suggest called Udly. Udly is a free app that you can train your speeches and get the analytics on the site. So you go there, you hit record. So it's kind of a Zoom call where you mm -hmm. enter. I don't know if you know that this. No, I don't know it. No. So Udly.com. So you go there, you you know have your Zoom kind of a Zoom uh, filming you. Then you speak for a certain time and then you have the analytics on the side, like how many fillers like uh, uh, did you have? Mm -hmm. If you have non-inclusive words, um, how was the pace? Uh, how was like, so you can, nowadays with uh, artificial intelligence, you have some tools that can help you improve the speech. Even the, it gives some comments, you know, the comments are not very good, but mm -hmm. I can tell, but, but at least you have some feedback on how you are doing and you can keep recording and comparing. So with exercises that I provide to uh, to each client and I have to analyze the type of voice and the goal of the person. So then I recommend the certain exercises to help you improve whatever you need. Mm -hmm. um, so and then I expose you to this experimentation. So you will experiment the exercises and you will see what you like and what you don't like. What is mm -hmm. you know, because we are talking about aesthetics, you know, what is what sounds good to you. And then if you like one exercise that you did in the session and then you record at the end to see the difference, you know, without the technique and then after the technique, for example, imagine that we are using volume variations. And so some words you will highlight and speak so, uh, stronger in some words. Mm -hmm. And then you see, okay, how was the text without any variation or at least intentional? And then how is my voice with intention uh, changing the, 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 the volume in some words to speak with my like, you know, with more confidence or with more kind of intimate tone. Mm -hmm. And then you see the differences and say, oh, I like this volume thing. And what mm -hmm. you do is the week after or even two weeks, you will practice this in all the meetings, podcasts, phone calls, <laughs> WhatsApp message recording to your family. And that's when your, your brain starts to get a new pattern because you, got, you kind of get used 
and that new voice enters in the repertoire, you know, mm -hmm. of your available voices. And nice. then session by session, you I, I train another technique, tonality, pauses, articulation, volume, emotions, posture, whatever. And then you get all these skill sets. Okay, it's an app that you use on your phone, is that it? I think it works better on a computer right now. Okay. I don't know if they already upgraded for the phone version, but it's under, uh, you know, if there, if it's not done yet, I normally use it in my computer, and okay. uh, and my my um, clients also use this, and mm -hmm. they send me these videos. And the cool thing is that I, as a, a coach, I can comment exactly in the minutes that I want. Mm -hmm. So if I see there's a transcript, I also I forgot. So you film yourself, you have the transcript of your speech. You can see if there's repetitions or if you like the script or not. You can copy and paste the, the, the speech. So if you struggle to first write your speech and then try mm -hmm. to train it and first do it kind of live, and then you mm -hmm. have the transcript. And that will also help your voice because there's the, the worst thing that you can do is to write a very good speech for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because when you want to read it out loud, it sounds awful. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, better, it's better the opposite. And this is another tip. So train as you were speaking to a friend and then you have the the structure and then you just fine tune it until it's better. That's very cool. This is super interesting. I've never heard of, about this uh, this tool. Uh, I, I use tools that are similar to this for to get transcripts and, and things like that, but this is sounds like a very useful tool and that anyone can uh, can put to use right away. I'll also add it in the show notes of the episode, of course. Now Going back to the breathing question that Alberta asked. Ah, yes. <laughs> this reminds me of uh, when I was, uh, so I was at the University of Lisbon doing uh, my, my bachelor's in microbiology and genetics, and I was part of the university choir. And it was very important when singing uh, together very long stretches of, of, uh, of uh, different uh, music or songs to know where you breathe. Is this something you work with uh, too? So when when you record yourself, can you put? I remember the we put a, we used to put a sign because there was like a, you know bass, uh, alto, etc. We we tried to make sure to not breathe at the same space, and there was we we put a little comma in the place where we should breathe. Is this something you can do also if you're you're recording yourself? In, I I'm always you know losing my breath at this point. I should find somewhere before to to catch my breath and then not yeah. have this moment of. <gasps> Yes, uh, a, a, grasping a deep, the, yeah. the area. Yeah, sure. Um, regarding um, breathing, I, I I have this approach of breathing. It's different singing from speaking, I, and I will mm -hmm. tell you why. It's different. So um, the breathing normally is you 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 notice a lot if you are running out of breath or, uh, breath or if you are kind of not coordinating very well this mm -hmm. this part. But that's the symptom and not the cause of the voice issue. Okay. Okay, so the breathing is just the tip of the iceberg of other things that are, you know, under the water, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> so I don't waste a lot of time correcting breathing because you are always trying to, like, do the direct method, like breathe well. And I had... When I finished my studies, I we had a lot of you know brainwashing on breathing, how to breathe mm -hmm. correctly with your diaphragm. There's a correct way to breathe, and others are not, and so on. And I completely dropped it with experience because um, it depends on so many things. So when you sing, you have to really you know have the length of that you know part phrase. of the phrase, and you have to hold and really do this long, long, long. Um, breathings. But when we are speaking, we have much more flexibility to breathe wherever we want and whatever we need. And also, the thing is that when we are speaking, you cannot respect only the, the commas or the full stops in your mind. You have to breathe mm -hmm. in between, even if there's no uh, not a comma or a full stop, or it's not even the end of your idea. So you have to breathe every, like, maybe five, six words, even if it's not uh, you know, a place to stop mm -hmm. because this is speaking voice and you, yeah. you know, we have these interactions and then you change your mind and then you have asked a question and then you, hmm. So you will use your air in a different way, your, your 
your breath. So basically, um, breathing must react to your intention. Breathing must react to also your volume. So imagine that you finally define that you should breathe in that part of your pitch. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, if you speak, the microphone isn't working and you have to speak stronger. You have to speak louder. Then you will have to read in another part of your sentence because if you are speaking louder, you will, you know, spend more air and you mm -hmm. have to breathe sooner. So that's why you cannot kind of memorize where to breathe. You have to understand and listen to your body. And normally our body tells us when we need to breathe, when our belly starts to contract. Mm -hmm. So if you pay attention to what's happening in your trunk, in your belly, and if you get like squeezed, it's time to, or even before, to release those, you know, that uh, tension and then allow the, the air to come in and also through your mouth and not only through the nose, because we are taught that breathing well is through the, is through the nose. And that's true for meditation, for mm -hmm. several activities, even to be, you know, resting. But to speak, we need to leave our mouth open because otherwise the air will take too much time to get in and then we run out of breath. Mm -hmm. So two things, mouth open. The belly must be flexible going in and out. And depending on the emotion, the volume, the intonation, the pauses, you can breathe in any part without feeling that sense of, <gasps> I'm running out of air. Because you mm -hmm. don't win anything just to say one sentence in a row. Like what? What is the the, <laughs> the prize? You know, at at the end, you don't mm -hmm. have it. And normally, just answering that that question, one thing that really changed our ability to breathe properly is the way you hold your feet on the ground. Oh, so it starts there. It's it and it solves probably sixty percent of the breathing problems. Is to be able to stand without balancing from you know for the sides or towards the front and, and, and backwards. Mm -hmm. Because that, if you do that, you are in unbalanced, always in a, an unbalanced position, meaning that your muscles around the, you know, the abdomen and so on, they are busy trying to not allow you to fall. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you can't breathe properly. That's why you run out of air. So some with some speakers, especially women, I don't know why, we tend to kind of move our legs and cross the legs and just lean in one leg and not the other. And mm. then you, it will affect the way you breathe. Super interesting. So you need to be ground, find a, a position where grounded. you're grounded. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Excellent. So we're sadly, we're reaching the, the, uh, the end of our conversation, but um, what I'm getting from what you're saying is the first thing that we mentioned was that voice is an instrument that you can fine tune. Uh, that, the voice that we use day to day is is based out of habit. It's our habitual speaking voice, but that you can. I'm going to say something, and then please tell me what you <laughs> what you feel. But you could even create a collection of voices that you use for different settings, sure. and that's super super interesting because it it might feel just said like that. It might feel artificial, but to me, it's as if uh, let's say you know. I'm always going to music, but you know you can use a trumpet just open like that. You can use a mute on it. There's different different ways that you can modify instruments to to modify their sound for different situations or for a small ensemble versus a big ensemble. And with the voice is the same. But the thing to me, thinking if I apply it to me, the first time I use, let's say, a, a, a different voice, I'll feel uncomfortable probably with it, maybe artificial. But what I'm getting from what you're saying is. This is an ongoing work that you, that if you are someone who is going to be talking in public, talking with groups, etc., it's an ongoing work of recording yourself, hearing yourself, and familiarizing yourself with your use of this voice or that voice in this setting or that setting. It's like having different uh, suits for different occasions. Sure, exactly. If we, we have that for clothes, why we're not having that? And they all are part of our style. But sometimes you want to, you, to wear yellow and sometimes mm. you want blue and the voice is the same. Why are you all, all, always wearing the same clothes? So it feels like you need to allow yourself to be uncomfortable for a little bit while learning these new and training these new voices. Uh, and, and I think that may be a challenge to, to, 
to a lot of people this uncomfort, but I feel it's necessary, you know, because it's an experience. It's a, it's a creation. You're, 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 um, yeah, you're creating a palette of voices that that you can use in different settings. I don't know if you have yeah. a comment on this or. Yes, at least the way I, I try to develop voice, because it can be awkward to do voice exercises, you know, and you, if you were a singer, you know that. Yes. And I realized that many of those exercises doesn't really fit in this professional world, or I can't, you cannot translate how that kind of uh, glissando or whatever, how does it translate to your real life? So I also change my methodology to be less awkward to do this kind of experimentation. And it's also, um, it has to be a fun process, you know? So it's not mm -hmm. like, okay, this is very awkward and I found, and I, I feel I sound different and and like it's, it's, it's a step-by-step -step approach. So what I do is like interviewing the person and try to understand what is the voice that the person wants. And also I have it in my mind as an ideal model. And then step-by-step, step, okay, is this what you want? Is this what you like? Is this fun for you? Do, do you do you do you like how you sound? Mm -hmm. And so it's more a process of getting used to this new, like kind of experimenting a new shoes, and then you kind of oh these these shoes are really cool, or mm -hmm. oh no I don't like this this so much. And so also finding exercises that you don't like or you don't feel comfortable is part of the process, and you don't have to do it if they don't make you feel good and and if it's not fun so this is also what i struggle with people in my other vocal coaches and other speech therapists is that okay you force you do this like 10 times exercise you do this warm-up exercises you do mm -hmm. and like our brain it's dull it's it's boring to do this kind of thing so of the, the exercises are a mean to, to an end so it's kind of triggering in your brain a, a different sensation. And then if you like the sensation, you practice like one, two minutes a day every day. So it's not taking the weekends to practice, you know, mm -hmm. reading a book out loud or just go to Udly like crazy for three hours. But it's like a short amount of training, but every day or like every two days or everything that will make you like even sending a WhatsApp message in a different tone, you know, mm -hmm. or in a, experimenting a technique that will allow uh, a less shock experience like okay now your voice is totally different because your brain will shut down that that sudden change mm -hmm. that's super interesting and it feels to me thinking again of the papa phd audience who are maybe finishing graduate school or just finished i guess well of course if they can go work with you they, they'll have the perfect uh person to exchange and give feed, feedback but it feels to me like because communication is from a human to another human, if you do this with a friend, with someone who's also preparing to uh, present their, you know, defend their thesis or do a, you know, my thesis in 180 seconds, have also someone, a, a peer, some kind of peer uh, feedback and also accountability maybe, sure. then you can, you can make it even, uh, even uh, better and you can allow yourself to, because this is experimenting from what I, I get. It's experimenting, and scientists should have fun doing yeah. that, I guess, yeah, with, yeah. with your voice. <laughs> you need the tools to experiment, but once you have the tools, and the tools is, as I said, okay, there's volume, tonality, pauses, articulation. Mm. You can play the pace. You can play with the variables and then, you know, make it as a game. And having accountability partner, it's a really good idea. So mm. have, you know, and you can send recordings to 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 to, to each other. And it has to be fun. I mean, there's no nothing in our lives, adults' life, that if you do it as a, as an obligation or like a, a to do list, or I have I have to do this for my voice. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, it doesn't work. At, at least I don't like to do things that I. I mean, it, it doesn't. If it's not fun at this point of my life, like why learn a new skill if it's not to, for me to 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 have fun as well. And so you can do it by yourself. The only thing that I don't really recommend is to kind of uh, force your voice into a certain area. So there's a very popular speaking from the chest, speaking with a deep voice and like this. Mm -hmm. So, okay, this conveys authority and so on. And you can be hurting your voice by putting it in a position where it's not natural for your physiology. So... If you are playing alone or with a friend, just make sure that you are within a comfort range and not going a lot of beyond that because otherwise you can be ca causing a voice uh, issue and mm -hmm. that 
will requires then uh, rehabilitation and getting back to normal and then you can start exploring again so don't push yourself into limits that you don't feel comfortable uh, without an expert to guide you mm -hmm. and uh, just a last question i have for you you mentioned tedx during our conversation if someone is you know listening to what what we were we, we've been just talking about thinking i don't know i don't have inspiration i don't know how to change my voice is listening to different i don't know tedx for example presentations a good way to kind of starting have starting to have an idea of what these pauses what these inflections can be yeah yeah sure so you can listen uh, at the tedx in two modes so pick one that you like uh, this is a suggestion and then okay uh, you pay attention to the content maybe the content you already know but if you like close your eyes and if you listen to it like why do you like that tedx what is the strategies that you can see that the person uses is like dialogues and then the person changes the voice like playing another character mm -hmm. is that that pause that grab the attention for two seconds or three even uh, which is a long pause by the way um or it was the 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 change on the on the volume suddenly um so what did you like and it's just kind of taking some notes or even a podcast you know even this podcast mm -hmm. like listen to what do i like in david's voice and taking some notes uh it's kind of weird uh, you know kind of doing this uh, this analysis but um i think it's fun so why do you like a certain voice it's because the emotion that you feel like it's because it's calm it gives you kind of this warmth and sense of you know this pleasant sensation um and yeah, and sometimes you can get there as well. Uh, and sometimes like, oh, I want to speak like uh, like Obama. Yeah, but uh, I mean, you can have some characteristics, but you have you have you have you don't have the same gender sometimes, or the same age, or the same height, or the same race, or the same lungs size, or whatever. So I think what I really like is to find your best voice and not try to copy someone else. So do the exercise of analysis, but, you know, just modeling it until certain point, but then you have to find on your own what's comfortable for you and authentic. Excellent. I have a last question out of my curiosity, but before that, I'm going to ask you to, for those those who are listening to the to the audio version, where can they find you? Where's the best place to, you know, connect with you and ask you questions and maybe, you know, uh, uh, try to uh, to figure out ways to work together? Where can people find you, Ines? So I hang out a lot on LinkedIn. So you already have here uh, LinkedIn uh, Ines Moura. And if you find Ines Moura, if you search Ines Moura Vocal Code, you immediately go there. So I normally, uh, it's my preferral uh, network, social network. And then, so, and you can send me a DM or someone who's interested in Oh No More or just, you know, stay updated on my tips i normally share every week uh, a few things on uh, around voice public speaking presentations and even uh for people that are thinking about selling their own services and they feel blocked a bit when they have to put their, themselves out there as an entrepreneurs uh, or solopreneurs i also have uh, some tips for that but um and then i have my instagram and my instagram is at inesmora underscore executive vocal coach and so I'm also there, there. Uh, every week. Excellent. I'll, I'll add all of those into the, the show notes of the episode. Now, my curiosity, my, my question out of, uh, you know, coming from my curiosity is why do we, why do we um, react differently to the same presentation given, you know, with a flat intonation uh, or given with some sort of, you know, vocal work and, and some, pauses like you said some highs some lows what what is it in our brains that that makes us and i i'm this is totally out of the blue we didn't i didn't tell you i was going to ask you this question but i wonder whether you have an answer why is it that as an audience this is important for us and that it is, changes uh, our experience of, of uh, that, learning that, that's a great question it's the 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 break of the pattern Okay. And breaking breaking a pattern makes our brain pay attention. Mm -hmm. Example: If you are, you know, in in the in the university, or if you are in a meeting room and you have the air condition going running through the the afternoon mm -hmm. during the day, and for some reason it stops at five, 
p.m. Then you pay attention because of the silence, because yes. you were not listening to that air conditioning functioning because your brain turns off when there's a certain uh, pattern that you can um, guess. And okay, that's the pattern and it will continue. So our brain to save energy, they, they, they shut, uh, the brain shuts the attention down. Mm -hmm. But what voice does is to create patterns of, you know, sparks of interest. So we will not have an audience paying attention totally in a flat, like high attention every time. You will have these waves of attention during a presentation, even a three minutes one. Mm -hmm. So you will have a rise of uh, attention in the beginning and then it will drop and then adding a voice variation can increase the attention in that part. Mm -hmm. And then increasing the volume, it will create another wave of attention or making a pause. Mm -hmm. Then it's another thing. So that's why you break the pattern, the previous pattern. That's why we pay more attention to a speech with certain amount of ver variety, mm -hmm. but not the final advice is don't overdo it. Otherwise, the pattern is not having a pattern. So it's too, too, too much information to kind of process. And so it has the same um, a speech with too much variety, too much emotion, too much of everything. It creates exactly the same uh, effect, effect as a speech that is totally flat and monotone mm -hmm. because it's the pattern of overdoing it. And mm -hmm. so that's why only 30% probably of your speech deserves to be highlighted with your voice okay. okay not more than that okay super thank you it makes total sense and it's true that that's what you said of when when the ac shuts down you're like oh it was on all this time and and, and uh, it's when you wake up at the end of the conversation like, <laughs> of a presentation like oh it's finally gone <laughs> <laughs> excellent uh, Ines, this was great, and uh, I I believe that uh, I I have now in in the Papa PhD audience have a better grasp of why voice is important, of uh, how to work on your own voice, and this is something that uh, I've never you know I've never touched upon on the podcast, and I've never worked on myself. Maybe I will going uh, you know going forward, um, but it was really really interesting, and uh, again uh, I I feel that you've given us a blueprint at least to start working on this. If, even if we have, you know, if we, uh, for us, for, for those of who are listening, who are in graduate school and preparing for different types of, of even presenting a poster, you can do this, right? So everyone now has a recorder in their pocket, their cell phone. You can record yourself. You can try, you know, to be maybe a little bit exaggerated at the beginning and then chisel chisel things show it to other people and and have like this uh, accountability partner uh, system like we said and just the fact that you're starting to do that uh, is going to make from what i understood the, the the fact that you do it in advance will make that the day of the presentation you things will flow out naturally because you've done this process uh, beforehand, but it needs to be done beforehand, and um, and the other thing that I that I took is to not focus too much on you know like you said warm ups and pre presentation uh, uh, vo vocal rituals. The preparation I, is more important in your experience than uh, than something that's done just before you present. Um, Nish, this has been great. Uh, I've we've shared your contacts with with the, the listeners and the viewers they'll be in the show notes do you have uh, any uh, last word of advice for someone uh, who's like let's imagine because i you know i was very shy myself someone who's really really having a hard time saying okay in two weeks or in three weeks i have to do this presentation and emotionally it's really quite difficult and you know whenever i try i try to talk my voice my vocal cords kind of tense up is there like a last piece of advice you can give to maybe help deal with with uh, some some anxiety uh that might be really uh, preventing you even from make, letting your voice go out of your <laughs> of of your throat yes first of all everyone sucks at the beginning <laughs> at every politician that you see oh he's so good or every musician or every everyone sucks at the beginning so if you are beginning 
you are at the beginning of something, it's natural that you feel all of these emotions and uh, anxiety and so on. So the only thing, the only way to get through it is to do it and do it and do it and do it and do it again, because it's not something that you can operate intellectually. It's something that comes from experience. Your body gets used to be on stage, to, to have people look at you and finds, you know, even a, a, a Toastmasters club next to you, which is these organizations uh, that are free. You can join a club and speak in front of an audience every week or every month if you want, uh, without any pressure, without any one kind of, okay, Pointing your finger is a very constructive. There are these communities of people that you can just go and practice and practice. And uh, what what six months of working on this skill can do? It's like from day to night or night mm -hmm, to day. Mm -hmm. Like six months working on our public speaking skills can do a huge difference in your career. And I say, actually, having the job that you want or finding that opportunity or advancing your career. So public speaking is the skill or one of the skills and here I, i'm putting voice communication body language mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like speaking to others is one of the most important skills that we can have in our careers so mm -hmm. do it and and if you you know kind of look imagine like your first episode in this podcast david <laughs> you should you probably look back and you are you know awful <laughs> you have this awkward feeling like oh my gosh it was so bad i have this feeling with my podcast as well, like yeah. the first episode. And it's normal that you feel that the first one was bad. Mm -hmm. So don't try to be perfect and just do it and, uh, and keep doing it. <laughs> Toastmasters is something that actually one guest uh, uh, mentioned. And uh, I'm happy you mentioned it again. Also, if you are on LinkedIn, there is a group uh, that is called the Pitch Club. And it's, it's kind of the same thing, but online. And uh, you... It's again, you have a, I think it's a two minute pitch or anyway, it's a short pitch that you prepare and then people give feedback, et cetera, et cetera. So Toastmasters is great if you have, if you have them near you and they, there's the advantage of being in person. Mm -hmm. uh, and also online nowadays. Yeah. They're online too. See, so yeah, so I, I do agree. I'm super happy that you mentioned that as a closing, uh, closing uh, uh, comment, because I do think that, um, inter, uh, you know, introversion uh, it is probably quite prevalent in the in the audience in this in this population, but practice, uh, like I say, practice makes perfect. And th in this case, it's, it is really something you can practice, and it's really um, again creating this new habit will make it uh, then much easier to just perform yeah. whenever time comes. Yeah, the first time is like torture, and it will yes. feel torture <laughs> for a couple of times, but then uh, like surprisingly. Like, it's not that long that you start to kind of feel used to that and looking mm. forward to that. Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, between I avoid it, it's 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 shit because I feel <laughs> bad and I forget everything and I can articulate a word and so I feel silly. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you play with the feeling that, okay, I feel silly, but it's part of the process. And then one day suddenly you are just speaking on a stage and you just, mm -hmm. it's everything is there. And you don't need to do warm-up exercise. No. So, um, yeah, and so that's it. That's the process. And uh, and like you said, you can apply it to public speaking, but also job interview setting and, uh, you know, presenting in the academic setting. It really can serve you in, professionally in many, many... You also mentioned uh, meetings because you're you're managing a group, et cetera, et cetera. I do think it's it's uh, it's an important skill to to gain and it's a, a really good investment of your time. Uh, uh so inish this has been great uh we've we've gone past one hour beyond <laughs> we want beyond uh yeah, we beyond the, the hour. topic uh, thank you so much uh and beyond the topic too but i think yeah. we stayed uh, we stayed uh, yeah. adjacent um thank you so much for the generosity of your time and the end of your know-how it it's been it's been great i think people can really come out of this conversation with uh really actionable items and actionable uh, um, paths to to follow to start training and to start learning to use this instrument they've had forever, but they might not be using optimally, uh, and uh, and that it can really help them throughout their personal but also professional life. So thank totally. you so much for having been on Papa PhD. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, David. Papa PhD is a labor of love. If you like the show and have found value in it. You can pay it forward by donating 
to help other people like you hear Papa PhD. Even a $5 one-time donation will be really appreciated. So go to papaphd.com forward slash support to donate or to papaphd.com forward slash Patreon to become a patron. Your support will help me cover the cost of hosting, equipment and other recurring expenses needed to bring you a high quality show week after week. Thank you for your support. I am David Mendez. See you next week.